Hurry into Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets in stock for immediate delivery. And get a $300 instant gift. Talk to a sleep expert today. Only a Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. Susan, I'm sorry I'm late. Traffic is terrible. It sure is. But on top of that, gas prices have been skyrocketing. I can't believe how expensive gas has gotten recently. Prices at the pump are up, but I never pay full price for gas anymore. I just use the free Upside app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the Upside app? Yes, I get real cash back every time I buy gas. And does that actually add up to anything? I've made around $200. Wow, that's serious extra extra cash. I'm downloading the free Upside app now. Download the free Upside app to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SIMPLE for an extra 25 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill up. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, to PayPal, or any gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SIMPLE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SIMPLE for 25 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill up. Hey there, this is Jim the Keys, bartender. How are you today? I, uh, if you listen to the last episode, which was from the Catch Restaurant on Trivia Night Tuesday, you will have noticed that I did not have my opening theme song on there. I thought I was playing it, just it's been a while since I used that system. I have to uh, use dynamic mics when I'm in a crowded setting, otherwise it would just be a lot of noise out there. And you know how much of a stickler I am for good sound quality. Let that sink in, I meant that as kind of a joke. Because you're probably saying to yourself, Jim, you put a lot of shit out there. Besides the content, I'm talking about your sound quality. You don't really check. You never you never edit. Nope, I don't edit. Part of it is ignorance in the process. Another part is I don't want to change content if I have any regrets what I'm going to say. I have, Recently, I haven't dropped the show because of something I said. But, uh, you know, never know in the future. I did one show where I got totally intoxicated when I was drinking about three years ago. And I couldn't, at the end, I I just didn't end the show. I had someone here with me doing a show, a friend of mine, and he he had to help me. So I just totally, it was embarrassing. But did I stop drinking then? No. I'll talk about that a little later. Right now, we are, uh, it's a, Obviously, most of the time you hear me say it's a beautiful day in the Keys. It is a beautiful day in the Keys. I went outside for about 25, 30 minutes, listened to a history podcast, laid in my hammock, get a little vitamin D. I don't lay out too long because about 45 minutes, 50 minutes, you can get really fried out there. So I'm, you know, 25, 25 minutes is pretty good, a little protection. Uh, yeah, it just charges my batteries. 
So, you know, after the gym and all that, and after I eat my big meal, after I work out. So that's one of the things I like doing. Around here, uh, if you're an avid listener show, you'll know about the geographic makeup of the Keys. When I say geographic, how we get from the mainland. It's a road, not a ferry, not a helicopter. You drive all the way from the mainland. There's a highway and 43 bridges all the way down to Key West, about a the whole trip's about 125 miles once you leave the mainland, get into the Everglades and all that stuff. Well, between the mainland and the northernmost Keys is a stretch of road, uh, Route 1, that we call the stretch. The whole road's called Overseas Highway. And the stretch is bounded by marshland or swamp on either side. And it's kind of a dry season right now. We did have rain and things like that, but this time of year we get a little brush fires along there. And I heard about it, but in because I switched to my new iPhone, I don't get the same alerts I got before because I'm not fully set up. I got the most important things. Uh, and you might say, hey Jim, alerts for fires and things like that, they're important. Yeah, yeah, they are important. I'm going to I'm just kind of reminding myself to get it. But there were fires there in the scrubby brush that grows in there in the dead trees and the dead grass and all that stuff. Oh, it sounds lovely too, but it is lovely. But the smoke, when it gets real bad, the visibility gets bad from all the smoke, they close down briefly. And that doesn't happen every year, but this year supposedly it happened a couple day, a day or two, either one side of the road or not. Why the fire's going on? It's just one of those things you got to be careful about planning your trip or cutting your uh, cutting it close when you're going back to the airport. Coming back from the airport, not as much a big deal. I mean, it is a big deal if you're trying to get someplace and you got a detour that sucks or sit in traffic for hours and hours. So, I I plan to go on a trip this Sunday. And uh, I'm going up to visit my father and some friends up in uh, northern, any place, I guess any place they stay in the United States here, unless I'm going down to Key West or Marathon, like I did this past Sunday. I'm heading north. So I like going going to the airport and parking there when it's a short trip. I park at the airport. I don't look for the budget parking because it's three days at most. It'll be 45 bucks, 40 bucks. And you just walk with your bag and you get in. You don't have to wait for a bus. And, and I'm there. Instead of saving like 10, 10, 15 bucks. Looking for the right bus to get to. I like parking right at the airport. You know, the three days. But, you know, when it's two weeks and stuff like that. And I'm driving. I like to park in low, uh, low cost off-premises parking. So... If you are driving down here, just it's good to be planning. You know, a lot of people, uh, I imagine you use, like me, eh? because of the roads are always changing up here. When I say changing, it's like one of those stairways, if you were a fan of Harry Potter, when you walk into the, one of their buildings, the stairways are on. Well, it seems like the off-ramps are always moving because they're, they've been working on the highway since I've been down here, like a lot of growing metropolitan areas. There's new ramps, new highways all around. 
And matter of fact, when you go up to the airport, I'm always used to exit to the left when I got near the airport, the last exit you take before you get to the Miami International Airport. Well, now the exit is to the right. And there's still a strong urge for me, even though I'm being prompted for it, to go to the left. So there's, there's tons of roads. There's tons of roads that yeah, I can get off a road. Like there's probably, I have no idea. I had once come off Fort Lauderdale. I came into Fort Lauderdale one time, coming back from a trip. Obviously, that's the one I left from, the airport I left from. And the road I took was so foreign to me. Because they just opened an exit while I was away. I was gone four days. And it just routed, I guess I get routed there. Now, I don't have to come in from Miami International. I don't really need my navigation app for that. Sometimes you do. If you're not paying attention, you get in the wrong lane. You can end up going west or north when you don't mean to. And then you got to exit. And if you exit on some of the side streets, you know how it is. It happens to everyone. I don't need to tell you about everyday life. But for these two, three-day trips you go on, I'm a light packer. I bring one bag. It's always carry-on. It can fit under my, I try to fit it on my suit, uh, under my seat. Going north is a little more difficult because the temperature down here, you may pick one jacket. And I am taking one jacket with me probably carry it with me to be on on the plane because the plane gets kind of chilly sometimes. I like to turn on the AC, kick it on so there's air because it gets, depending on who you're sitting next to. I'm sitting all the way to the front of the compartment, the economy, you know, the economy travel compartment. Speaking of that, I was trying one of those budget airlines. I was, I entertained the idea because Spirit and Frontier fly from Miami. And they hit you with these flights. It looks like, you know, $70 round trip, blah, 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 blah. But then, you know, I can take, when I'm traveling by myself, I can take open seating. And I lost, a, you know, I lost a couple pounds. So I, it's not necessarily as bad for me, at least the width of the seat. The, the back to the front of the seat where I'm sitting and to where, you know, my knees... That's the one that sucks. So I like, a lot of times I like to sit in the front. And I'm not one of those assholes who move their seats back all the way without checking with the person. You know, I'm saying, hey, do you mind if I move my seat back? And if they say, oh, you know what, that's a tricky question, but I'm going to have to ask that. Well, three hours, what are you going to do? I'm going to, tr- I always, I always have this intention of sleeping. But, I don't always get to sleep when I'm flying, especially those international flights. They kind of really fuck me up. But these three-hour flights, especially when I'm getting them, I'm going to be up, I'm going to probably get up at quarter six, be on the road at, let me see, quarter after six. takes me 15 minutes to shower, tops. You know, brush my teeth, shave, shower, and I'm out the door. So I'm heading up there. I made all these plans. I'm thinking about, um, I was thinking about taking a budget airline and they hit you with everything's a la carte now. I mean, it's surprising when you fucking book the flight that they're going to say, do you want inside the cabin 
Or do you want to be outside the cabin? I mean, oh, is this for sitting on the fucking wing? On the tail? Do, are you going to drag me on a little, like, glider behind it? No, you, you, you're not going to get sit. It's going to be standing room only. They're going to... I can't imagine they haven't done that yet. I mean, it's probably a safety issue. Said, no, you got to have seats. I know you could fit like twice as many people if they're standing. You know, and charging you for checking... Charging you for the privilege of possibly losing your luggage. Right? We're going to charge you $50. And there's a very good chance that you might, we might lose your luggage. So I, I tried that, and I'm looking at it. And I was having a problem booking because there was a problem with the site. And then I was thinking, wait a second. Didn't those a couple weekends, didn't they cancel a bunch of flights and all that stuff? And it was that budget airline. So I said, you know what? I better go with someone else. Yeah, initially it was about $100 more, $150 more. But in the end... It wasn't all out of cart. I could just pick my seat. And I picked one in the front. I don't mind if it's in the middle or not. Who knows? There may be someone on the flight or not. One of those early flights on Sunday, they're not always booked, uh, full. So I'll see what happens there. But I like being in, of any section, in the front row. I don't have to worry about it, someone dropping that uh, seat on my knees. I harbor grudges that way. I hate harboring a grudge against a stranger on the flight. So I ended up booking on a more traditional carrier. And like I said, you know, I like parking in the garage near the airport. Near the airport, in the middle. Miami uh, is horseshoe-shaped, meaning the terminal's horseshoe-shaped. And the center of that horseshoe is the parking. So I just park there, look for whatever gate my my airline is. I think it's going to be on the... I always think it's on the east side. I don't, I don't know if it's east or north. I can't really tell because once you get through all those hairpin turns and all that stuff coming off the interstate, I don't know which way I'm, I'm leaving. And when you take off, you take it off to the south and you make a turn or maybe you go north or you go over, to, you go over the ocean. Whatever. I'm game for it. So I was going up to visit my father. Dover, Delaware. Dover, Delaware. Not necessarily a hotbed for travel early May. Little to my knowledge, there's a place called Dover Downs. Recently, it was a uh, harness racing or horse racing track, and they also have a NASCAR track in there, mile long track on the outside of the horse racing track, and a big stadium. And they they have NASCAR events. They have a NASCAR event this coming weekend coming up. And you know how I bitched about how high the hotel rooms were down here. Not for my sake, because I thought it just was restricting a lot of people and restricting their disposable income while they're here. If they're paying like $300, $400 a night. Well, little to my knowledge, I didn't think it would be that early in the season at Dover because of it being so far north. And they want it to be as nice weather as possible. Usually later May is better or early June. Some very pleasant weather up that neck of the woods. Well, they're having it in early May. And the prices, and there's not a lot of extra rooms up there. So I may have to, I'm going to maybe check out Airbnb or something like that while I'm 
at it while I'm up there. Or may have to go miles to find a room. And say, Jim, when you stay with your dad, I don't want to I don't want to bother my dad with that stuff. I wouldn't do it. They don't have they have a they live in a retirement community and it's not a big uh, a place, a unit they're living in. So you know, more comfortable for everyone all around. So when I'm packing, especially on a short trip, you think about all the things you need, you know, a couple pair of shorts. Uh, I always pack at least one more pair of underwear, one more pair of pants, one more shirt than I think I might need. Just in case, you know, any spillage or anything like that on the plane, I could just change out of it. You know, when you're, I'm there, yes, I can always wash my clothes when I'm there, but who wants to spend their time doing that when they're traveling? Not me. I don't want to do that. I just want to get up and go. And with those little, you know, you, you could travel with too little. You definitely could travel with too little. I'm actually thinking in my head, oh, do I need some workout gear just in case I can get a workout in while I'm there for, from Sunday to Tuesday? It'll be Sunday afternoon to Tuesday. So maybe, you know, if I'm staying someplace, maybe Monday night. No, I'm not going to have time. I'm not going to have time. They're going to have one night. I'm going to have Monday night. If I, am, if I do end up staying in a place that has a gym, that might be the thing to do it. Or Sunday night, actually. See, these are the things you go. And you think about where you're going to eat and what you're going to eat. That's very important before you get on the flight. I've done that. There's nothing worse than having going on a flight with intestinal distress. Not only for the other passengers, but just for your own sense of well-being. So I, you know, I'll drink maybe a cup of coffee. I'll get to the airport, brush my teeth. Nothing worse than coffee breath the rest of the day. I can't handle that. Um. Stay away from Cinnabon, not because of the weight thing. It's just that for some reason, a big-ass cinnamon bun, before you get on, you know, there's, there's virtually no food you can eat at the airport that will make you feel comfortable. So I'm thinking some of these, like, trail bars they got. When I say trail bars, a bar of food, you know, what is uh, energy food you know? Yeah, uh, meal supplement bars. You know, a big a big meal. You know, some eggs like eggs. You know, depending on how someone a restaurant cooks, I could stop on the way and I can eat. No, I'm not. I'm usually not that hungry before I fly. Anyway, I just get hungry in flight. And it says on the flight, it says because I'm not on a budget airline that there's oh, it's going to be tr- there's going to be snacks. What are they going to give you a cookie? And some peanuts and some soda. I mean, I try, I try to drink as little as possible when I'm on the plane, because you know how much a joy it is to get in those really tiny bathrooms. I mean, you look like a mental case trying to get into it. It's like getting into an extra small broom closet, and then you got to turn around and you'll be lucky if there's no turbulence, because if there's turbulence, you know you're. You're hanging, you have your dick in your hand, and you're trying to uh, pee, and you're just kind of bracing yourself. 
you know, bracing yourself against the wall and you hope, I hope I have a really good stream. So it just goes quick and I'm in and out, watch my hands, boom, done. Those international flights, man, they try to cram as many seats as possible. And I'll tell you where to take that, they take that room from. They take it from the uh, coach or economy class restrooms. I told you last year when I was going over, I booked it, I booked it and I put a seat, I paid an extra, I don't know, 75 bucks for a seat with uh, about three feet in front of me as a bulkhead right before the first class. I'm not at that point where I'm going to spend, uh, you know, couple thousand more for a flight 10 hours I can't justify that maybe someday oh god Jim you're almost 60 years old you think your economic situation is going to change maybe who knows who knows I don't know it would be nice someday to have that option and just go and say hey yeah I'm, I'm flying first class I only fly first class you know, if shit goes down, when I say shit goes down, the plane goes down or something like that, it really doesn't matter. It's, oh, don't worry, he was sitting in first class. No, no. They don't, they, don't, they don't say he survived because he was sitting in first class. And they have a really, you know. Eventually, they may have those on planes. They have escape pods for people in first class. They say, well, listen, if the plane goes down, we get you. You know, for an extra five thousand dollars, or five thousand dollars on top of the flight, we'll put you get an escape pod. And you know what? They don't even have to really have it. They could just say, they could just tell you that to have it. Don't worry, your seat ejects right out of the roof. It starts going down, and then you're eased down with a big parachute. You know, yeah. They'll do that. So I guess they're going to be somebody for the airlines going to think, no, we're not going to do escape pods. We're not going to do standing room only. Thankfully, they're not just doing a bucket in a closet for the laboratory on the plane. Laboratory. They say laboratory on the plane. They say bathrooms, restrooms. Well, where are the restrooms? It's not really a room, is it? Where's your water closet? Well, there's not a lot of water. It's a lot of pink. It's a blue water. I, why do you say pink water? Why? Why is it blue? Why, why does the water have to be blue? Why can't it be uh, red? Or pink? You know, I guess that's the chemical they use. Well, I'm going to move on from there. A lot of you, uh, if you do, if it's your first show you're listening to, and I don't know why this would be your first show, and you, if it was your first show, you could say, and say, this says Key's bartender, but he never talks about bartender. He hasn't talked about well, I am going to talk about it right now. You know, my main job is bartending down here. And the reason I do the show is because it's from a bartender's perspective in a resort town. And I do talk about bartending, how to handle people and stuff like that. I want to talk about my journey as a sober bartender right now. And people say, well, what do you mean sober bartender? I don't drink. I used to drink a lot as evidenced by that story I told you towards the beginning of the show. How I got intoxicated. I would be, I would get intoxicated at the most improper times. And I was turning into 
as years go on, obviously it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. I was a gradual drunk. Some people were drunk right from the get, but I became gradually everyday drunk. I was doing it and doing, doing it. At the time before, uh, um, when I, I came down here 15 years ago, three months after I came down here, I became sober after getting drunk one time, getting in discussion with my roommate that time, and he says, you're going to have to get some help or something like that. Now, he wasn't suggesting I should stop drinking. He thought the only thing I needed to do was stop drinking bourbon. Now, bourbon was a contributing factor, but then, listen, there's other alcohol involved. I drank vodka, I drank some gin, drank a lot of beer, I liked wine. I wasn't one of those people that only drank one time. So I stopped for years, for about seven years. And then I decided, oh, well, maybe I'm not a drunk anymore. And I stopped, stopped drinking. That means I was drinking again. And it slowly, it started out, I was you know, glass of wine here, a couple glasses of wine when I'm at in my apartment. This, I wasn't going to meetings, obviously. You don't go to meetings while you're drinking. I couldn't imagine that. I, I'm not one of those people. If I'm, I wasn't forced to go to meetings, so why would I go to meetings if I'm not drinking? And everyone kind of knew that. I was drinking. I'm not going to AA, so I was drinking. So there were some incidents where I'm drinking in the parking lot of a supermarket where I just buy this stuff. And it'd be manufacturing stress that I drink over instead of coping with it like everyone else does in life. And getting drunk, driving, working. I was bartending. I got a job 20 miles south of where I live here on weekends. And at the end, I would get out at around 9.30, 10 o'clock. And on the way home, I'd stop for gas or something like that, a gas station. Or stop and pick up some hard lemonades, two 16-ounces, and drink those on the ride back in the car while I was driving. Open container. Bad, bad thing. Um, and, and, yeah, driving. I wasn't necessarily intoxicated, but I was under the influence. Under the That's what DUI doesn't mean driving intoxicated. It means driving under the influence. That means you have any something that's altering your state. So I was doing all that stuff, drinking in parking lot, getting, uh, putting vodka into water bottles. Yeah, water bottles so I can drink that. Can be a separate water bottle. That's why you got to be careful. Like when I'm bringing a water bottle in, I may put like some kind of energy B12 stuff into it or nutrients and people are looking down. That's my water bottle. But since COVID, everyone wants to drink from the same water bottle, right? Don't worry about infection. That's one of the things to do. So I wasn't drinking at work necessarily. At the end of the shift, I would take my shift drinks. One, two drinks, sometimes three drinks. Yeah. Sometimes three drinks. I really would... Really go for it. Then then towards the end, right before I stopped drinking again, I started doing a uh, thing where I put a little water glass here. And if I was pouring a vodka drink, I would just move my cup, my plastic cup. I moved the vodka over it. No one's looking. Put like an ounce or two of vodka in it and go back to making the drinks. 
especially when I make multiple drinks at the same time. So it looked like I had a, you know, I just drink plain water in there and, take, and drink that. And then, so one time, I just came intoxicated at work one night. And my boss pointed it out to me. He said, listen, you are drunk. You go home and she had it. And there's nothing more, for an adult, there's nothing more embarrassing to be dressed down about being. For me, there could be other things more embarrassing. There could be more things, other things more embarrassing. But for me, that was very embarrassing. And... I just realized how far I went, so I decided not to drink after that. So I went back and I admitted that I was, uh, I stopped, had, I, I, I went back. What I mean, I went back to sober, sober life. I went back to my 12th step, which is AA, and haven't had a drink since then. I accidentally did drink from a cup that had vodka in it, but uh, it was a mixing cup. And when I drank that, I spit it out immediately. And uh, I don't have my, I used to have, when I first got sober, I used to have drinking dreams. After a couple of years, I'm thinking, wow, you know, like, I can't believe I ruined my sobriety. People that are sober get obsessed with how long they've been sober. And that's why they, you hear people one day at a time. You don't think, it's been almost two and a half years for me now. <clears throat> In three weeks, it'll be two and a half years. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of people on a program say, all you have is these 24 hours in front of you. And this makes it more manageable. I'm not drinking today. So I have to start saying that because sometimes I've learned how I like to handle it. Not everyone handles it the same way. And what I tell people when they want to buy me a shot, I'll just say, I'm sorry, I'm not drinking today. If they're tourists, they don't need to know. They don't need to know. I'm saying, oh, thank you, but I'm not drinking today. Now, if it's a local and I see them out when I go to restaurants and stuff like that, I like to tell them. And it's not to pat myself on the back because a lot of times people would like to send me a drink or try prompt me to drink or buy me a shot or ask the owner for that. And then the owner has to say, he doesn't drink. And then I have to explain to them and they feel kind of weird about it. I just tell them right away and say, I, you know what, I understand you might think I act kind of like a person that drinks, but I don't drink. This is my natural personality. And when I tell people who you think the people that come into the place may be surprised by it, that there's a bartender that doesn't touch it. I mean, when I say I don't drink, I don't touch it. If it doesn't go past my lips, I smell it. I can taste the mixtures. Rarely, the nice thing about it, rarely does liquor go bad. You know, if it's in a bottle and it's been on, it's usually pretty good. Some of the stuff, when you have the juices, when it's made with, like, uh, there, there's certain vodkas, flavored vodkas, where they use real juice in it. Sometimes it turns a different color, but that really doesn't change the taste of it that much, I don't think. But I don't use it that when it does those things, so I I don't worry about that. Um, The people that uh, are most shocked are people that are in the program with me, who are sober also. They say, how can you do that? 
uh, some people think I'm contributing to alcoholism. And I said, well, first of all, if I refuse to serve it, then I couldn't do that job. And they said, get another job. And I said, well, I do really well. I'm re- I became really good at this job. I don't really want to not do it. And I enjoy the people that I serve. And I realize in my head that a lot of people, some people have problems that I serve. Some people have problems. And those people, I let them know in small bites, when I say small bites over time, that I'm sober. And they get to know, well, how does he do it? You know, sometimes that does happen. And every so often there is a person I see in the rooms that I used to serve. And, you know, most of them I'm I'm not surprised when they come in here. But I'm not trying to judge. I'm not surprised when I see them. I'll reflect on it and say, oh, yeah, it seems like other people, you know, if they're really really bad at it, say, you know, I I can help you. Or I can I know a place where they might be able to help you. If if they ask for help. Because you can't you can't stop someone to do that. But for me, uh, they they wonder how can you do it. And the second thing is how do you not drink? He said, Well I'm at work and I I I've for one thing I don't I shouldn't have been drinking while I was working. And now I don't drink after work, which I would have done at home anyway. And the thing that got me before when I started drinking again was drinking at home. Because I love drinking alone. I really enjoy drinking alone. When you drink a lot, when you drink a lot, a lot of times you like to drink alone or you like to drink with someone who drinks like you drink. But that's usually... That's that's not always the case because you don't want to see yourself reflected in someone else. Right? You can get the realization, boy, that guy drinks a lot. Oh, he gets kind of nasty and stuff like that. What? That's what I... What the fuck? That's how I get. Yeah. So, that's how I stay sober. By going to meetings, thinking about... That I, I can't control my liquor. I don't. Sometimes I would have been able to have two, three drinks, but you know, very frequently, very frequently, I didn't. And I never let the times that I was responsible drinking uh, allow me allow those times to counsel me that oh, you don't do that all the time. No, but I do it frequently enough that I. I, it was causing damage to my body, to my relationships, and maybe it caused one day it would have caused a fatal, fatality. I see it all the way, all the time down here. Uh, funny, a friend of mine uh, who's a, an attorney said, if you get arrested or if you get stopped down here and they want to give you a sobriety test, don't ever blow into there. He says that don't ever blow because they've been wrong and. And this, if they pick something up and get it, you know, you're done. You're done for that. So, I don't know what would happen if I did get stopped and I did get a sobriety check. I would probably say, hey, listen, I didn't drink. As a matter of fact, I'm so certain of it, I would like a blood test. 
if you know the um, breathalyzer fails because I know there's well I don't know I heard that there's a possibility that they incorrectly use that and some people may have an indicator that show that or you may not have a balance or something like that there's all sorts of things that could cause you to fail sobriety test you know manic behavior whatever so and I'm not counseling on that that's not my job that's not my job especially on the podcast here well I'm going to wrap this up I'm probably I don't know if I'm going to be able to do one while I'm away on Monday I will be back Tuesday night. I may want. I may do that Tuesday night. I don't know. It may be a little late. No, I will not do Tuesday night. Wednesday afternoon. Be a couple days. Maybe I'll drop one while I'm away. You do one on my new iPhone. Who knows? It's going to be a lot of excitement. Well, no, may not be any excitement. But thank you for listening. I will be back. Take care and have. A, it's Thursday. Maybe I'll do another. If I have a compelling, compelling things to talk about, maybe I will be back tomorrow. Thank you very much and have a great weekend if you don't hear from me tomorrow. No guarantee. We only have these 24 hours, right? Bye. And now an update on what some analysts and reporters are calling the Great Resignation and the upside of it all. As many as 44% of workers are leaving their 9-to-5s behind and looking for life hacks to make up the difference in income as they pursue other jobs. And as that number grows, so have downloads of an app called Upside. It's a free app for cash back on gas, groceries, and at restaurants. Can an app like Upside really make a difference? You bet. With Upside, users can earn an average of $96 a year. And it works at all the big gas brands like Shell, BP, Valero, Philips 66, Circle K, etc. And at favorite local grocers and restaurants. Everyone's got to drive and eat, right? If you want to get in on this life hack, we have a promo code for you. Head to the App Store or Google Play and download Upside. Enter code HACK to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first fill-up. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account to PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use code HACK. Susan, I'm sorry I'm late. Traffic is terrible. It sure is. But on top of that, gas prices have been skyrocketing. I can't believe how expensive gas has gotten recently. Prices at the pump are up, but I never pay full price for gas anymore. I just use the free Upside app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the Upside app? Yes, I get real cash back every time I buy gas. And does that actually add up to anything? I've made around $200. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free Upside app now. Download the free Upside app to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SIMPLE for an extra 25 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill up. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, to PayPal, or any gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SIMPLE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SIMPLE for 25 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill up.